The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Change is the one constant in life. It is inevitable, and it will happen to all of us at one time or another. Whether we like it or not, people and circumstances will change. We will get sick, loved ones will die, jobs will be lost, couples will grow apart, and children will move out. And when that happens, we are scared and sometimes lost. But here is the good news. Each one of us can write the next chapter of our life. No matter what we face, with the right mindset and unwavering tenacity, we can raise the curtain to a second act. I'm Joan Herman, and through my Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand and Second Acts, it is my mission to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation to write the next part of your story. And what a story it will be. Welcome to Second Acts. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for joining us. Over the past 50 plus years, today's guest, Reverend Dr. Matthew Fox, has challenged doctrines called Leaders to Account, Awakened Minds, and Healed Wounded Souls, a spiritual theologian, an Episcopal priest, and an activist for gender and eco-justice. He is believed to be one of the most challenging religious spiritual teachers in America. Matthew is a founder of the University of Creation Spirituality in California and the recipient of many awards, including the Abbey Courage of Conscious Peace Award. He has written 39 books that have been translated into over 60 languages. His newest book is Essential Writings on Creation Spirituality. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Matthew, it has been said that your work through creation spirituality calls for renewal of our hearts, minds, and souls. Can you explain to us what creation spirituality is? Well, it's a, a new paradigm, really an older paradigm, a new version of Christianity that um, is the oldest tradition in the Bible. It begins in the Hebrew Bible with the oldest source there, the J source, and it begins with original blessing instead of original sin, because first of all, original sin is is a human problem, but the universe is 13.8 billion years old, so (laughs) what we've inherited is a blessing, and the blessing is a theological word for goodness. And so that gets missed if you start everything with the fall or redemption. Uh, and so much of, of Christianity has fallen into that trap, whereas uh, Jesus did not begin that way, because no Jew uh, begins with original sin. Original sin is not a Jewish concept. Every Weissel said that original sin is not only not in the Bible, it's alien to Jewish thinking. So that means it's alien to Jesus thinking. So... Um, Spirituality is feminist because it's the tradition of the wisdom of tradition of Israel, which is the tradition that Jesus himself belonged to, and that tradition is about finding God in nature, essentially. And wisdom in Hebrew and many other languages is feminine. So um, that is a big shift as well. And of course, it's about the sacredness of nature, creation, 
spirituality, begin with the sacredness of, of nature. And so that, of course, is the real issue regarding uh, eco-destruction and the, the war on Mother Earth that is going on at this time and with the climate change is, is just a, a sign of it, a symptom. So um, for all these reasons, and then, of course, a, a big commitment to the prophetic and justice-oriented tradition that Jesus was a part of also, and um, for all these reasons, then, it really recognizes, uh, it really is a, a shift in consciousness, religious consciousness for for many people. And um, it, it's proven to be very powerful for people because it speaks to these real issues today of women's rights and, and the divine feminine and the earth rights and um, justice, whether it be racial justice or, or gender justice or... Um, the social justice and eco-justice. So, um, yeah, and it disturbed, as you put, uh, quite a lot of people in high places. <laughs> when I wrote my book, Original Blessing, the roof of the Vatican kind of went off, and they came after me because I was a Dominican uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, a Dominican order, for 34 years. But then they silenced me for a year. And this is not Pope Francis's Vatican. This is before him. Uh, they asked me for a year, and then they, three years later, they expelled me from the order after 34 years. And that's when I became Episcopalian to work with young people and to uh, carry on my work. So I raised a Catholic, and to me, uh-huh. you know, to, to think of life being a blessing, it makes so much sense because I'm one of those people. I mean, I'm Catholic through and through, a, a Eucharistic minister, all of it. My kids went to Catholic school, and mm-hmm. yet when I attend Mass, it's so routine to me. It's not alive. It's, you know, stand, kneel, repeat. Mm-hmm. And it, I have a hard time finding yeah. God in that. Yeah, the the thing you say about uh, the, the routine of the Mass, that's what I, why I became Episcopalian. I knew at the time, and that's the Pope Benedict was Pope, that there's no cre- be no creativity in, in Mass, but I felt very strongly the Mass is very important. Ritual is very important for human survival and keeping joy alive and, and empowerment and all the rest. So that's what I did in becoming a Episcopal priest. I reinvented the Mass, uh, the, the forum, bringing in rave, you see, bringing the body back. And so de- and the new uh, art forms, uh, DJs and VJs and rap and so forth, I mean, this is new language in which to pray. It's like in the 12th century, the church had this explosion of Gothic architecture and of these wonderful stained glass windows. Well, the stained glass windows of the 12th century, which are the greatest ever, um, they became a whole new way to pray and to uh, to learn about the stories of Jesus and so forth. So it, it was a whole new technology, you see. So in our time, in my lifetime, We've moved into this uh, new technology, and why shouldn't it be used for, for the purpose of awakening the sacred? So we have what we call the Cosmic Mass, and we've done over 120 of these, I think. Now, we did one at the World Parliament a few years ago in Toronto, and 500 people came, including uh, Buddhists in their robes and everything, and people said it was a high point of the 12-day conference for them, and, and it should be, of course, as worship is supposed to be. So people dance instead of looking for what page they should be reading from. And um, the whole idea of dancing is an ancient way to pray, of course. The indigenous people everywhere pray by dancing, not by reading uh, prayers from a book. 
and as you say, standing or kneeling out of road. So we have wonderful experiences with this mass. I mean, amazing things happen. I could tell you one quick story. Uh, we, we had a mass for a thousand people at a Sounds True retreat in the uh, Colorado mountains uh, several years ago, and that, and a. Uh, and they were from all traditions, because I asked as we began, you know, and there were Jewish rabbis were there, and there were Buddhists and Hindus and Sufis and Protestants and Catholics and all the rest. And afterwards, a woman came up, she said, I'm an atheist. I'm a fierce atheist. I'm such a fierce atheist. They went, I walked down the street, and there's a church. I crossed the street to go by the church. <laughs> and then she said, but she said, during this, this service we just had, she said, uh, we do a grief experience every time. Instead of talking about confessing our sins, we, we get down on all fours and we grieve. And it's a very powerful experience. She said to me, when we did that grieving experience, and then she pointed to her heart, she touched her chest. She said, something in me shifted. She said, by the time communion came along, I was hungry for it. I had to have some. And she said, this, this mass has changed my entire life. Uh, I'm no longer thirsty <laughs> Right. So um, I couldn't agree more. We need life in our liturgies, and the young people have new languages. Why aren't we using them? Right. Do you think what happened to that woman is because she went deep into her soul, which is where, you know, we believe God lives? I mean, did she touch him by going that deep? Exactly, yeah. And you see the breathing experience. We go deep, you know, with joy and beauty. That's what the mystic called the Via Positiva. But we also go deep, deep with grief. And um, in that particular part of the Mass, it's only a part of it, so the whole Mass is, includes the joy, but um, she obviously touched something, and, and we were doing it together, you see, so we're all making these sounds, grieving sounds, um, on the floor, as we were on the floor. And um, uh, the whole experience just really moved her. She participated, of course, because, you know, atheists grieve, after all. We all grieve. That's what it is to be human, isn't it? And we all experience joy as well. And that's also what it means to be human. So, I mean, all of this should come out in our, in our, our, our liturgies, and they shouldn't be um, repressed, or, and liturgies should not be reduced to words and reading and, and uh, as you say, rote ceremony. No, there has to be the spontaneity, too. And that's just beautiful what we do. We, we dance, we have a theme for each Mass, and then we have slides uh, that are projected and when we dance with these themes. And so we all dance in this context and with music, and it's very powerful, and you don't need preachers so much, you know, and you don't need a lot of books. You, you're there as a group listening to the music, and... Um, it's just a very powerful experience. It follows the, the direction, it follows the order of, of the traditional liturgy. Part of the path to creation spirituality, and you've been touching upon these, but there are four that you write about. Can you just tell us what those four are and what each means? Sure. Okay. And, and this is the, the first two are traditional language. The first is called the via positiva, the positive way. And that the positive path, and that's the way of joy and wonder and amazement and awe, and um, th that's where everything begins, I think, with the awe of life. Rabbi Hessel says, awe is a beginning of wisdom. So that's the first path, joy and awe. And, and of course, gratitude comes from that, and even reverence comes from that. The second path is a via negativa, the negative path, 
And that's a path of silence. And so the, what negative means there is letting go of all kinds of input and, and so forth. That's the path of contemplation and stillness. And the Thomas says, be still and know that I am God. That's stillness. And that's what Thich Nhat Hanh is talking about when he's talking about mindfulness that comes from stillness, mind emptiness. But the second part of the Vedic activity is suffering and grief, as we just talked about. And that's very real, too, of course. I mean, look at what's happening in Ukraine right now. And so it's just a, a daily news example of suffering and unnecessary suffering because evil is obviously involved there in making this happen. So much suffering. So um, the negative is very real. Then the, then the next path is, now these two paths are not in the traditional language. I, I made these two paths, I gave them a name. The via creativa, the path of creativity. And uh, this is so important. This is equally deep. It's as deep as joy and as deep as grief and silence is creativity. As Meister Eckhart, my favorite Christian mystic, says, um, I once had a dream. Even though a man, I was pregnant, pregnant with nothingness. And out of this nothingness, God was born. And he talks a lot about how we give birth to Christ. He, he said at a Christmas sermon, he said, what good is it to me if Mary gave birth to Christ 1,400 years ago, and I don't give birth to Christ in my own person and time and culture? So creativity is so important. that We encounter the divine there. I wrote a book, Creativity, where the divine and the human meet. So it's a mystical experience. Then the fourth path is to be a transformative, because that's the path of justice and compassion. And that becomes a test, if you will, or a, a guide for our creativity. After all, look at this war in Ukraine. There's a lot of creativity here. Russia is trying out their latest supersonic weapon in this war. So imagination and creativity can be, can be for good or can be for evil. And so we have to steer our creativity, and that's where Jesus teaching about the compassionate is creating heaven's compassion and so forth. And the Buddha's teaching and Dalai Lama, who says we can do away with all religion, but we can't do away with compassion. Compassion is my religion. That's where that becomes energized, because the previous three paths, we're ready to go in making a world that's healthier and more just and therefore more celebratory. And then you go back, then. It's, it's, the image I have is the spiral, you see. Um, this is not about climbing a ladder with four rungs. It's a spiral that expands. And then after justice, the justice path, you go back to the via positiva, because what is justice about? The whole point is to bring more people to the table, to the banquet of joy and, and gratitude for existence that the via positiva is all about. So then the paths, they, they, they um, move again in a, in a uh, ever-expanding direction. So those are the four paths. You just mentioned what's taking place in Ukraine, and, and we're still struggling with a pandemic and people of dealing with financial instability. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of pain out in the world. How can we maintain a sense of peace with all of this turmoil? How do we find that balance between the struggle and the blessings? Right. Well, of course, that's the $64,000 question. But, um, you know, I have these daily meditations, and I've been, it's called Daily Meditations of MatthewFox.org, and it's free. And uh, I've been writing about that a lot lately. I bring in the, the mystics and, and the dark night of the soul, of course. We're in, I, even before Ukraine, 
we were in, I think, by we I mean our species, the dark night of our species because of global warming. We don't know how that's going to end up, and that's what the dark night is about. It's about chaos. It's about not knowing how things are going to end up. And, and so the mystics have a lot to say about that. And one thing is to trust, and that's the real meaning of faith is trust. Um, Julia Norwich, my most recent book is on her, and she lived through the great pandemic of the 14th century, the Bubonic Plague, which is much worse than the pandemics we're living through. It killed between one out of two and one out of three people in Europe. And, um, and she says that um, faith is the trust that all things are in God and God is in all things. But that's that sense of sacredness that we experience in the Via Positiva, you see. And so you have to stay linked to the Via Positiva. You have to keep that alive, even during hard times. You have to um, uh, remember, and that's, of course, what a lot of prayer is about. Is It's about remembering, like Jesus said at the Last Supper, do this in memory of me. You have to remember the beauty. So the truth is that we're always wrestling with good and evil, if you will, and the sacred and evil, and... Um, uh, this Ukraine war is this kind of a, a blow-up of it all. And, and as you say, the pandemic. But, you know, a lot of people learned a lot in the pandemic that because of silence, they were it was a via negative experience, but because they stayed home and so forth and, and uh, didn't go out a lot, there was more introspection. And they asking questions about what is life really about? What is my work really about? Am I really giving back the way I want to give back? So... Um, the four paths raise all these questions, and um, uh, it's about kind of purifying our intentions. That's what the mystics say about the dark night of the soul. It's a purification process. And even our country, I mean, we've been so divided lately, uh, politically and so forth, and there's been so much hate radio and hate television and hate politics that it's just, um, this has to, you know, be, be let go of. We have to move mm-hmm. into a better place. And I do think that what America is doing trying to help Ukraine is bringing America together and together with many other nations in the world, certainly European nations, that are trying to stand up to this latest dictator. We often hear people say, I'm only one person, what can I do? But if you look at the negative of it, look at how much damage one person (laughs) can do to the world. So, you know, by flipping that around, if we put out joy and kindness and love, Look at the power each one of us has. Exactly. Wonderfully said. You know, Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century said, one human being can do more evil than all the other species put together, which is really an amazing statement. And he said it 800 years before Hitler or Stalin or Pol Pot or Vladimir Putin. How did he know that back in the 13th century? Because he respected our powers of creativity and intellect, he realized, and that's the whole point I was making between the via creativity and via transformative. What do we do with our creativity? Do we create more nuclear missiles with it? We invade another country with it? Or do we take it and use it for healing, for celebrating, for um, seeking knowledge? Uh, one thing that has me, let's just say, positive these days this new web telescope that we sent up there. And, you know, this is human genius that we could do something like that. And this telescope is going to look back to the beginning of of the universe and the brilliant light that was born uh, at that time 
that we've inherited. And this is all part of original blessing, isn't it? So this original blessing is so important. We have to stay connected like an umbilical cord to the real positiva, especially when times are rough like this, when times are tough. And um, that's a big part of our, our healing and then our empowerment. Like you say, just one person will think of together how much we can do that is good and beautiful and healing and, and just making a just society. We just have to remember we were born a blessing and we continue to be a blessing throughout our entire life. Exactly. And we co-create with God and uh, with the divine, with spirit. And that's our job to co-create. And that's where, the, again, the creativity is so important because that's the one thing we have going for us as a species is our creativity. You know, we've only been around about 250,000 years and we've taken over the planet. No other species took over the planet in that short of time. So we're powerful, but like the client said, but we're also very dangerous. So we have to look at evil. We have to look at what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening vis-a-vis Mother Earth with climate change. And Pope Francis' brilliant encyclical on Laudate Sea on environment was so wonderfully done, and it's so important that this is our common home. And it's this can bring us all together. You know, I, I wrote in my book on the Catholic Christ, there's no such thing as a Roman Catholic ocean and a Buddhist um, cornfield and a Lutheran sun and a Baptist moon and, and an atheist river. You know, the, the nature itself calls us all. We all need a, a healthy planet. We all need nature and can love nature and find the sacred, find the divine in nature. So this could bring us all together, just like the Ukraine war is bringing Europeans together and many others. So um, the, the plight of Mother Earth can bring us all together and get out of our silos of uh, attacking other religions and other nationalities, other races, and all this racism, tribalism, and sexism. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not worthy of us. It's adolescent. We should move out of that and grow up The book is Essential Writings on Creation Spirituality. If you would like to learn more about Matthew and his work, you can visit matthewfox.org. Matthew, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? A beautiful um, statement by the poet Derek Walcott from the Caribbean who won the Nobel Prize for Poetry in 1972. In his acceptance speech, he said, The fate of poetry is to fall in love with the world in spite of history. Well, I think that's the fate of all of us. We are here to fall in love with the world in spite of the bad things that humans do in history in order to, um, what shall I say, uh, wake up our species that we may be as beautiful as the other species are and as beautiful as God intended when we were made. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate very much your questions and interest. Carry on your good work. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. 
While on our site, subscribe to our mailing list, check out our articles, magazine, book club, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.